On today's episode, our all-Asian panel reviews The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift and discusses running away from our problems, which is a topic plucked from the themes of the movie. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome to a You Better Represent podcast, where each week we explore representation in cinema by reviewing a minority-led film with members of that underrepresented community and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Joining me for today's show is prolific Toronto comedian and writer Leonard Chan. Hello. Nice to hear that I'm prolific. You are <laughs> prolific like right now. <laughs> you are prolific. You're a writer for one of the biggest shows in Canada. This hour is 22 minutes. You've got a special coming up. I saw on your Facebook today um, with John Doerr, a comedy special. You're you're doing it all. Uh, <laughs> you know, being you know being being um, being both uh, being both uh, in the writers' room and in front of the camera as the featured act so uh congratulations (laughs) but of all those things this (laughs) podcast this podcast is my zenith (laughs) hey there you go this this uh award nominated podcast um that has also been featured um by spotify themselves on a giant ass billboard so uh (laughs) so you know oh and also we are we are um, uh, new and noteworthy on the iTunes podcast list for like the past two and a half weeks. So, oh, nice. So yeah, check us out on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Where I feel, I feel like we're gonna drop off that list in <laughs> the next day or two. So you would have to go check us out um, within that time. But luckily, I grabbed screenshots, so there is huh, proof. Nice that it did happen. Um, I have always wanted to be noteworthy. <laughs> to be worthy of note. <laughs> um, so today's uh, today's movie, I'm very excited for. It is a, I would say, an, a bit of an underground classic that has um, gained uh, gained popularity over time, um, and uh, definitely. Um, well, I'll just say it. Uh, the movie is The Fast and the Furious: Tokyo Drift. It was the third movie in the Fast and the Furious series. And um, I think most people, when it first came out, thought of it as like barely more than a direct-to-video movie that somehow got released in theaters <laughs> featuring none of the actors or producers. Well, I guess the, the producer um, is, is from the series. But, uh, you know, none of the actors, none of the directors um, came back. It just sort of seemed like this really weird project where they almost tried to retell the story in in a new setting, um, following the same character archetypes. But, of course, after Fast Five, um, where the character Han from this movie crossed over, it sort of made people give this movie a second look. And now we're giving this movie a third look, because, of course, uh, Han is back in the latest Fast and Furious 9, just released to movie theaters. So um, this movie has quite an enduring legacy. Um, So this movie is about a teenager um, who becomes a major competitor in the world of drift racing after moving in with his father in Tokyo to avoid a jail sentence in America. This was directed by uh, Asian-American director Justin Lin, who, of course, is also known for Better Luck Tomorrow, where the character of Han originated. 
Um, and he has also basically taken over the Fast and Furious franchise, directing um, and producing multiple entries, inclu including Fast and Furious 4, 5, 6, and 9. And he is rumored to be back for Fast and Furious 10. Um, so basically only Fast and Furious 7 and 8 he was not involved in. Uh, this movie stars Lucas Black as our new protagonist, Sean Boswell, who is basically um, as close to Paul Walker as you can get, but with a Southern accent. Um, <laughs> we've got Bow Wow playing Twinkie, doing his best uh, ludicrous impersonation. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I swear to God, I thought that was ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> also, was this before was this before Bow Wow was Lil, or this is post Lil? This is after. This is when he dropped the Lil. Yeah, because he wanted. I guess he got. I guess he got big. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I went to his IMDb, and he goes by a different name now. But What's you know, his name what? now. Um, let me. Yeah, I don't want to have too much dead air while I look this up. But he's going by <laughs> Shad Moss. Shad. Okay. Yeah, as his actor name, I I feel like maybe his rap name is still Bow Wow, but he tried to change it. But you know what? In this movie, when you watch it, he's credited as Bow Wow, so I ain't gonna change it. Um, yeah. We've also, of course, got Sung Kang as Han, who really, you know, has been playing this character now for about two <laughs> for about two decades, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Brian T as DK uh, Shinichi Chiba as Uncle Kamada, and Natalie Kelly as Neela. This was written by Chris Morgan and produced by Neil M. Mor Moritz. And uh, just in terms of representation, they are both white guys, I believe, straight nice. white guys. Um, so uh, <laughs> let's let's start off with uh, with the overall uh, overall reaction. So Leonard, does Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift bring honor to us all, or does it bring shame to our ancestors? Well, uh, I I mean I like the movie. Uh, it's it's I mean this is the thing it's a Fast and the Furious movie right you can't have expectations on it like you just want a car go fast <laughs> women are pretty uh, and that is it uh, that's <laughs> basically all you can expect from it I like Sung Kang uh, as as Han uh, you know as you say he's been playing that character for like twenty years he's like the Fraser of like vehicle <laughs> mayhem <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I mean. It was an okay movie. I would have preferred Paul Walker, but it was okay. You know, like it was enjoyable. Uh, if you like drifting. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I really loved this movie when it first came out, even when everybody kind of didn't pay much attention to it. I actually saw this in the theaters. I was like, oh, it's, like, it's like the Fast and the Furious, you know, formula, but let's take it to Japan where they have like crazier cars. Um, you know, I, I, I believe most of this was shot on location in Japan. So you really get to see, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of different areas of, of Tokyo, yeah. um, which was which was really nice. Um, I actually yeah. feel like it's it it strangely holds up because it's such a basic um, it's a, a basic <laughs> plot and premise that it it kind of feels like if it was released now. I wouldn't really think too much of it. And yeah. Uh, I would say that also goes to to Justin Lin and his directorial style that a lot of the shots don't feel dated. It actually feels strangely modern 
because um, mm-hmm. like you know we we went back and reviewed other movies from this era like this came out in 2006 so it's like 15 years old and honestly like just even like the cinematography um you know some like you can feel like it's of that era but this one kind of strangely feels pretty modern um and you know also we wanted to do this review because of course the tokyo olympics are coming up so we're going to be seeing a lot of a lot of um a lot of japan um but yeah so now going into actual representation um you know the fast and the fierce franchise uh, has been known as one of the first major franchises or maybe the first major franchise to really show the power of diversity in a movie cast. Um, you know, with the first two movies and with this one as well, you know, and, and you know, obviously having an Asian director when the movie is in Japan, you know, is definitely helpful. Um, I feel like his understanding of the culture, even though, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't think Justin Lin is actually Japanese, but you know. No, he's Taiwanese. Yeah, you know, but. And, uh, which, you know, and Taiwan has an interesting relationship with Japan. I think, I don't know if you saw recently, China was like, oh, Japan, if you help Taiwan, we will nuke you. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. But no, I do think that there, there was a little bit more understanding of, you know, of cultural norms because they did, there were parts of this film where they had to, had to explain you know how outsiders are treated and different things mm. in Japan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like Gaijin, Gaijin, yeah. right? I'm not sure. Like a white director would have done so well, or even incorporated those elements at all. It would have just been okay. White guy comes and he takes over. Um, you know the whole scene and it's super popular. But like that's really not how it works in no. Japan. No, I mean especially in Japan because like you know it's uh, notoriously xenophobic. Mm. So. Uh, it makes sense that they would incorporate that. Um, yeah, you know what's funny? Actually, like you said earlier that like everybody uh, this filmed um, on uh, in on location in Japan. And the thing is, in Tokyo, they they never gave they don't give out permits to film, so they just had to like guerrilla like all these shots. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened is uh, some dude was like following Justin Lin around, and then Justin didn't know what the point of that guy was until at the end uh after they shot in like shibuya uh cops like came and then they went to arrest justin lin and then this dude <laughs> who had just been like following justin lin was like oh i mean i am the director of this movie and they took him to jail and he was hired specifically by the studio wow. to to claim to be the director so he could be taken to jail <laughs> wow that is pretty amazing um yeah what do what they, they, they think of next that was definitely a worthy um a worthy investment because obviously if justin lynn goes to jail for any number of days they have to shut down so that's that's yeah. uh pretty ingenious actually um yeah yeah it, um other, yeah so yeah and for in terms of uh representation you know it does pretty well like you said the writer and the producer are white but mm-hmm. this was basically when Justin Lin effectively took over the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, he was producer, then executive producer, and he directed it. So, you know, I, I think, too, just the popularity of this franchise in all international markets, I think, did more to um, to really show Hollywood that diversity can sell because uh, I, I don't think there was another movie this diverse Um 
you know, that entered, you know, that that billion dollar club. Um, uh, you know, I feel like there, there might have been movies where, you know, it was a specific cast from a, a specific region. But this is realistically like, you know, you've, you've got and not this movie, but like throughout all the movies, you've got, you know, Vin Diesel, you've got Michelle Rodriguez. Now you've now you've got, you know, Asian actors in this one, obviously, you know, black actors as well. And, you know. And it was a movie that wasn't about diversity. It just had a diverse cast and like, you know, yo, that's what's up. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that's the best way to do it. I don't like movies that are like, hey, look, we're diverse. It's like, no, just be diverse. Just tell stories with like different faces because that's the world that we live in. Yeah. And you know what? You know? Here they're still going by the trope, which they did for the first few movies, which is probably because they were produced by white people. But the, yeah. the first three movies... It was diverse, but it's still, you know, it's still a white protagonist that introduces you into the world of diversity. And then after this one, it just basically became, okay, no, Vin Diesel's the main character. Like, F this shit. <laughs> we can have a non-white lead. So, you know. Yeah. Definitely and, and the people would be like, and Vin stuff. Diesel it clearly is, what is he? <laughs> He's so, like, <laughs> racially amorphous. I literally have no idea what he is. <laughs> Yeah. Which is perfect. That's why he's worth so much money. He's why he's like the biggest. Uh, I think he was like the high. Other than The Rock, I think he's like the highest paid movie star in the world. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely. And you know, this was really the series that that kicked that off. Yeah. For and did him. you know, by the way, that when Vin Diesel, because uh, he shows up at the end of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of because he's so smart, instead of taking payment for this movie. He he got Universal to just give him ownership to the Riddick series. Oh, wow! There you go. Yeah. That's some negotiating. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Vin Diesel's definitely you know, and even with the series, he's 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 a producer on the series of like the the last few. So you know, definitely mm-hmm. uh, definitely Vin Diesel has learned how to uh, how to uh, play 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 the game, and when you have leverage. Because there is no Fast and Furious without Vin Diesel, like you know. Yeah. I know there's a spinoff with I The mean, Rock and Jason Statham, yes, without Vin Diesel. But the mainline series, and obviously this movie doesn't have any stuff. Okay, maybe, oh, maybe there's yeah. Fast and Furious without him, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, he does have well, leverage. Also, I want to know, like, it's he he's like the face of a franchise about cars. Obviously, this was going to happen because his name is Diesel, right? Is that... <laughs> like, I mean, it was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And as as far as stage names go, Vin Diesel is is a pretty great stage name. Um, yeah, like if I'm an what ap- is his actual name? I gotta look it up. Mark Sinclair. Yeah, he would not have been. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't think uh, <laughs> he would have been the face of a of a. You know, a franchise about cars. If he was Mark St. Clair, maybe he could have been the face of a series of uh, conservative uh, television networks, <laughs> <laughs> television stations. Sorry. Yeah, no, Mark, Mark St. Clair. Clair is definitely not as cool a name. Um, and, you know, it, even like Vin, Di- it's such a bold stage name. Like, I know, you know, like some people take on stage names like Michael Douglas, which is not as yeah. bold, whereas Vin Diesel's yeah. like, yo. You know, Yo, I am. Yeah, I'm I am gassy. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing I want to say about this movie, too, because, you know, some people might be coming back to watch this movie after seeing Fast 9 because Han 
Han makes a reappearance. And I will yeah. say, this is when the series is a little bit more grounded. Um, it, you know, I, I, I it, it yeah. definitely has <laughs> changed. And I think maybe, I, I feel like maybe people who love anime or manga will call this uh, power scaling <laughs> to a certain degree yeah. this series has gone through, but they basically become superheroes. <laughs> um, it's... I like how you say this is grounded, and and it is in comparison to what happens. Like, it's, <laughs> Fast and Furious franchise has gotten insane, where they're like, there's like that runway which is like 17 kilometers long, <laughs> they have to go along, like chasing that plane. It was yeah, it's it's gotten uh, it's gotten a little bit ridiculous, but like you know what? Like, they're fun, right? At the end of the day, they're just fun movies, uh, and they're worth watching. Yeah. Which is hard to do. Like, yeah. Like this, the Mission Impossible franchise, like, mm-hmm. legit are incredibly entertaining. <laughs> yeah, now let's let's head into, um, as best we can for an action movie, um, <laughs> let's talk about the uh, the writing and the characters. What what did you feel of the, uh, of the characters, the character arcs, and uh, the overall writing? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's hard to write a movie. Uh, <laughs> let's say that uh, the fact that this wasn't I mean it's not bad but, I mean obviously it's not like Parasite but it's <laughs> not bad <laughs> it's you know it's it's uh, like no nobody's coming to a Fast and Furious movie for the plot mm. right like you just want eye candy fast cars fast women like that's all you want and and then it's it, it delivered no pun intended a vehicle for that uh, you know it was i wasn't like watching going oh my god like this makes no sense i mean it just it, i mean there was a certain logic to the thing so it was fine uh you know your classic all the classic you know parts of the, of a movie you know like uh your midpoint montage where he gets good at drifting you know like where it's like oh and the second half is when he gets good at this uh you know like yeah it just followed all the 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 structure of a classic action movie which is fine i mean that's really all we want right we're not trying to reinvent the again no pun intended the wheel <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i think it definitely did what it had to do in terms of servicing the characters and the plot, which, like you said, is more of more of a skeleton for the uh, for the action sequences to move yeah. us from beginning to end. I do think they gave the best character arc to Han, which is probably why mm. he um, is the most enduring character. Where mm-hmm. you know his his decision making actually makes sense. He actually does grow. You know, even you know, I think the most famous line from here, and I'm going to paraphrase because I forget, was just. You know how he uh, how he said that he he has a lot of money. What he needs is yeah. you know trust and loyalty, whatever around him. And even yeah. I would say that was an interest. You know, like letting you know letting somebody crash your car to see what kind of person they are. I was like, okay, that that's an interesting character beat that I haven't seen mm-hmm. in like other movies. Um, and I think too. Um, you know, and I say this is where it's really good that this was directed by an Asian because, you know, I do feel like if it was a white director, um, it would have probably gone into, you know, you've got the Asian villains um, and then the white protagonist. But this yeah. one 
putting in Han really like balances it out so that I'm not just pissed off that it's like, okay, all the Asians are evil because they hate this white guy. It was like, no, mm-hmm. let's make his mentor an Asian person. Um, yeah. And really, you know, like said, to me, this was kind of the story of Han, how Han took took in, um, you know, this, uh, this Sean Boswell guy. And, yeah. then, uh, and then he adopted a white boy. Yeah, and then you know, ended ended up dying dying at the end, and you know, theoretically, and, yeah, and oh yeah, allegedly dying. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> allegedly dying. I like how we're now we're we're spoiling two movies. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was. Uh, I really liked his character arc. I, I, you know, I think the main character, you know, pretty cookie cutter. Like he's basically a stand-in for Paul Walker, but instead of being a cop, he's like a troubled teen. Um, yeah. oh, I think it would have been like Paul Walker's nephew or something. <laughs> yeah, which I'm surprised they didn't make that type of uh, random connection. Um, yeah, because you know when they do like a spinoff movie, they, they realistically before they brought this back in, this was more a spinoff. Um, but of course now it's officially the third entry. Uh, but yeah, usually when people make a spinoff, they'll they make some weird like. You know, oh, this was somebody's nephew from the other movie. So I'm I'm glad mm-hmm. they didn't do that here. Uh, but the main character, you know, I will say that South accent, that Southern accent yeah. is <laughs> so over the top. I don't know how he talks. Yeah, it York. wasn't great. It wasn't good. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> did not like it. <laughs> yeah the good thing is listen he is cute um i wish they would bring him back for which is all, always important in these movies um he, he is cute I, I wish they would bring him back in the regular series i know they brought him back for like a super small cameo in i forget if it was fast five maybe fast six they brought him in for a very short cameo but um, um he is coming back in in fast nine who is sean boswell yeah Oh, well, there you go. My my quote-unquote <laughs> prayers have been answered. Yeah, I always wondered why they <laughs> Really? Uh, this is what you were praying for? No, no, no. Well, I was, I you was, know what? Uh, There's a global pandemic. There's <laughs> <laughs> the economy is collapsing. But you know what? We could really use <laughs> hey, hey, bring back Bow Wow, too. Bring, uh, bring back the oh, whole yeah, gang yeah. in this movie. The um, whole gang. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I, you know, in the the villains, I thought they were fine. I think uh, Brian T is GK, and you know uh, Shin Shinichi Chiba is Uncle Kamada. They were serviceable. Yeah. Um, I thought the yeah. uncle, the actor playing the uncle, had the required um, gravitas to play that character, um, and yeah. So uh, yeah, it's really cool. Leonard said, I feel like. The movie accomplished what it needed to, um, and I feel like it even went a little bit above and beyond with Han's character, um, giving him at least a little bit more depth and believability um, than you would normally get in an action movie like this. So, um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, so, so, so there you go. Um, I'll uh, I'll throw it to Leonard for any final thoughts um, about whether. Uh, we already talked about whether it, it holds up, but, you know, would you recommend it and any other final thoughts? Um, well, I mean, ultimately, I feel like Sean's an idiot. Um, <laughs> and they're like, hey, don't talk to that girl because she's the girlfriend of a Yakuza. Mm. <laughs> I mean, have you, 
maybe don't. I don't know. <laughs> There's no sense of self-preservation. And somehow that wins the day, which is not the greatest of lessons. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I did like this movie a lot because then it uh, it really dispelled the myth that Asians can't drive. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that's important. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I think, thanks for that review. Um, I think... Um... You know, I I really enjoyed it when it first came out. I think it's held up extremely well over the years, and I will give most of that credit to Justin Lin, who is an amazing director. We've reviewed his movie Better Luck Tomorrow, which is where the Han character originated, and yeah. you know he's just a fabulous director. And I think it shows that he brought a little bit more to um to an action movie, while still obviously knowing to give us what we actually want um it, it you know it's it, it's funny because our our topic today is running away from from our from our problems um which you know it uh, you know i i think i think we'll do a bit of a combined um discussion topic because my second choice was going to be you know like looking for problems or running face first, which is what the main character <laughs> does a lot. So in some ways, I guess he didn't run away from his problems. Maybe his dad ran away more and he was more yeah. sent away for his problems. Um, but he's, he more just jumps in the middle of any problem he can. So we yeah. will uh, talk about that topic right after this very short break. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome back to You Better Represent podcast. We are now going to start our second segment where we discuss a topic that is plucked from the themes of the movie. And this week's movie was... Uh, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, and our topic or our sort of dual topics is uh, running away from problems um, slash uh, running headfirst into problems. So I guess maybe a little bit of a fight or flight. Um, so uh, I've, I, I've, I've got with me here uh, Toronto comedian Leonard Chan, and we are going to uh, dig right in. So I'll, 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 I'll actually start this all. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny because um, the whole thing of, like, facing your problems, uh, I think there's a healthy way to do it um, as opposed to running away from them. I feel like the character here is a, a little bit too overboard of uh, jumping straight in, into the drama. Um, 
for me, I, I actually confront uh, drama head on, similar to this character, but it's more in an attempt to shut it down. Sometimes the best way th um, through something is like a straight line, like as opposed to avoiding the problem, just be like, you know what? Let's deal with this. Let's do it now. Um, like, like, honestly, I'll put it this way. If I don't like somebody, they know I don't like them. Like, there is no, <laughs> I don't pretend. I, there's no, like, I remember I ran into somebody who I just hated from, from, from university and they tried to talk to me in the mall and I stopped them and I was like, yo, Carlos, I hate you. Actual name? Yeah, it is the actual <laughs> name. Cause, cause I, 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 I still hate a stupid ass like 20 years later. I was like, why? What did he do? Or what did he like why? Oh, let's say it was, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll. Long story short, we were both co-presidents of the um, gay club at the University of Manitoba, and you can just imagine all the drama from <laughs> there. So, any, so anyway, we're 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 at the mall, and uh, he comes up and talks to me, and I was like, "Yo, Carlos, I hate you, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you hate me." So, like, I already have to deal with you at school. I don't want to deal with you outside of school. I don't have the energy to pretend I don't hate you. So just get away from me, and I'll see you at school where I'm forced to interact with you because of our roles. So that's kind of my thing. Um, and also, as far as running away from problems as well, like, for me, I think it's a big reason why I don't, why I don't drink, why I don't do drugs, um, is because I always felt like it was people avoiding their problems. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't apply to everybody. I grew up in a neighborhood where there was a lot of drug use, um, also known as the ghetto. Um, but so I'm not saying everybody who drinks or does drugs go to that extreme. But when I was growing up, all I saw was the extreme. So for me, in my mind, the reference to, um, to drugs and alcohol was you know, the, the extremeness of it, like using it to cope with your problems. So for me, I was like, no, as painful as it is, I'm going to deal with my problems head on um, as best I can. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of my kind of, my kind of uh, fight, fight or flight. Um, I will say too, though, is that I do generally avoid conflict where possible, um, I feel like, like Leonard's worked with me and it's like, I don't have a lot of conflicts. Like for the most part, I'm pretty malleable and I, and, uh, you know, I will try and get along with as many people as I can, but when, when push comes to shove, when there is a conflict, it's going to be a short conflict is, is what I'm saying. It's not, <laughs> I ain't, I ain't dragging this out. Like yeah, either we'll just, we'll just go full nuclear and that'll end it. Basically, um, Easy, and, right? <laughs> and that's that's how we deal with my problems. Now, uh, Leonard, how do you how do you deal with your problems? Um, yeah, no, same as you, man. Because like, what I hate, like especially like any sort of interpersonal problem, like it just weighs on me, right? I'm just like, man, something's out of balance. Because it's all about like keeping everything in balance, right? Like making sure like everything is kind of dealt with, and then like, yeah, like sometimes I will ignore things, but not. Not because I know they're a problem, but because I just refuse to believe they're a problem. <laughs> which is not the same. Which is not the same. It's, it's a subtle difference. Uh, 
<laughs> right? Because if I once I once I'm like, okay, fine, I accept that this is a problem. I will do something about it. But for you know, uh, I will spend years just saying, no, this is not a problem. <laughs> And then I'm not running away from it because it's not a problem. <laughs> uh, refusal to acknowledge a problem is not the same as running away from a problem. <laughs> right? that, that's one way of looking at it for sure, Leonard. That's definitely one way of looking at it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I mean, generally, I like to deal with uh, problems as soon as possible, knock them out so I can get back to like being productive because, like, it's just not it's not it's not useful to have like something taking up brain space for any amount of time because it's like you know uh that's a waste of time <laughs> it's a waste of time it's a waste of energy so like either either actually just either declare that it's not a problem and then you don't have to do anything about it yeah. uh it's ideally in a situation where it won't get worse uh, and will in yeah. fact go away if you do nothing about it or immediately recognize that it's a problem and then go figure out how to deal with it right um so yeah i don't know like i generally don't run for my problems unless my problem is like a bear and then i guess i will run uh, <laughs> or the police uh. now the interesting thing is to obviously this is a podcast about representation so just i'm um, going beyond ourselves talking maybe about like you know the Asian community, or at least our, obviously we can't speak for the whole Asian community, but what we know and our experiences in the Asian community and how they handle conflict and fight or flight. Um, you know, I think it's it's a little bit interesting. It's a little bit interesting. It's definitely more nonverbal. Like, yeah. you, you go through these phases of conflict and you might never say a word, but you know you're going through it and you're you're working through it. Um, so it, it is less about, you know, I, I do think this is where sometimes people say that, you know, um, agents don't believe in mental health and therapy and all that. And I, I do think that's simplifying it a little bit. I do think there is some truth in that. But I think it's simplifying. It's just that with Asians, a lot of the... Um, solution is nonverbal communication. And I think just the idea of saying everything out um, isn't, you know, culturally where everybody's where everybody's coming from. Like like so so for instance, I'll I'll give an example of, you know, like when when I was coming out to both my family and to my friends, like there was no point where anybody came up and gave me a hug and said you know, you're gay, that's cool, or, you know, we accept you or whatever. Like, that's that's just not what happens. Like, with my dad, he, you know, didn't mention it for a month. Um, we never spoke about it, and then... You, you didn't frame the newspaper article, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and Leonard's referring to the fact that it came out in uh, on the front page of the, of the Winnipeg newspaper. Um, but yeah, so my... Uh, so with my dad, he just took his time... Um, I knew to give him the time he needed. This was all without talking. And then a month later, when um, when the Pride Parade came, I was going out to march in the parade. And then my dad was like, he was like, you know, I want to drive you. And I was like, uh, dad is like three blocks away. I can just walk. And he was like, no, I want to drive you. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And that was his way of saying that, he accepts who I am and loves me and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and that's like a very typical conflict resolution within an Asian family. Like, 
there's not you know like my dad's not gonna say okay i need time to absorb don't talk to me for a month like that's not gonna happen i just have to read the fact that he needs that time and then he's not gonna come back and say okay i've had a month and you know it's totally cool you're gay like no he's gonna find another way to verbally communicate it um and with with, with my friends it's kind of funny because obviously um my friends well at that time were almost all asian um my close friends anyway um and uh it was at university and um you know because obviously we're we're all asian but we grew up in in canada and so there's both the nonverbal, but then there's also like you know the trash talking really head-on kind kind of stuff and so with my friends they like we trash talk everything playing sports doing um doing uh you know, playing video games anything we're just always trash talking um and it's it's in the most you know like communal way possible like that's just how you communicate um and uh when i came out they didn't they just didn't make fun of it which is really weird like these are the same people who when i got run over by a car made fun of my back spasms <laughs> like they were just they were like relentless they were like you know i remember i came back and i, I played uh I played in a Street Fighter tournament and I lost, even though I was the, the defending champion. They're, they're like, "Oh, what happened? Did you get a back spasm in the middle of the in the middle of the <laughs> tournament?" Like they're just like, "There's no, there's no holds barred." So then they didn't mention the gay thing. And then what happened was, you know, um, well, two things. One was I had like this this like fat cross-eyed stalker from the Winnipeg's top ten. Um, and he was stalking me at my school, and they like came to school with like you know baseball bats, and they like you know kicked the shit out of him. And that was their way of, you know, showing that you know you're that's... you're gay, and that's cool with us. Oh man, we will nothing beat up says we ex- nothing says we accept your homosexuality like assault, <laughs> <laughs> but assaulting someone else—that's nice. <laughs> Well, That's there really you nice. go. There you go. And now, um, uh, Leonard, how do you think like the differences in culture as far as um, as far as uh, dealing with conflict? Yeah, no, I mean that's that's definitely like an Asian thing. I think like. W- you know, Western style conflict resolution is, yeah, like, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about this, and then we're just going to hash it out and everything will be fine. No, no, no. In Asian culture, we just ignore it. (laughs) We process it internally until either it never gets resolved and we just resolve to never resolve it, or (laughs) we just pretend, we just, you know, just accept it and let it go and then every and we just let everything go back to normal without ever talking about the thing that happened (laughs) unless you're my mother in which case you wait 20 years later and then get mad about it (laughs) oh oh that's also another another key strategy within the asian community for sure yeah Um, my mom will yell at me for stuff that i did 20 years ago (laughs) hey remember you did this thing i was like yeah she was like i'm so upset at you i was like that's 20 years ago man (laughs) Well, sometimes the processing takes longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the uh, the CPU, the Chinese-made CPUs are not always uh, the quickest <laughs> processing. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's generally, generally what it is. I think a lot of, like, I think a lot of, like, uh, 
Eastern conflict resolution comes down to like, can we get away from this with face? That right? is it's true. all about face. Saving faces is, Saving is face. very important. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely if you can, important. And if at any point, like, if you're like, oh, my honor has been besmirched and I my face is not saved, then you will go bananas. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't have that. But anything yeah. else, it's like, who gives it? Who, who cares? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, well, uh, th- thank you for your thoughts, both your personal thoughts on conflict resolution and your thoughts on... Um, on uh on the asian community as a whole um listeners hopefully that gave you a bit of insight we do like to pick topics to uh to discuss um the differences in cultures and hopefully that sheds some light for you now um or if you're asian you're probably like yeah obviously move on um <laughs> but uh as i know probably I still think like 80 percent of our listeners are, are asian so uh, that would apply to quite a few people um outside of asians the, or like guys trying to date asians that is true yes i do have Happy to help <laughs> i i do have quite a quite a fan base of of uh, of old white guys um who <laughs> exclusively date asians and yeah you, you, if you come to any of my comedy shows probably about five to ten percent of my audience um are old old gay white guys who are into Asians. Um, so, you know, it is, listen, I will, I will take anybody's money. And actually it's funny because um, long, actually here, here's an anecdote. I, I actually continually book Ron Jossel, well, part, who's an amazing uh, Filipino comedian, um, obviously because he's super hilarious and one of the best comedians um, in, he's a, he's a Canadian legend, but also he is, you know, he is a certain uh, body type that uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, older older gays are super into. Um, <laughs> so you know what, uh, pimp, you know, pimp out your comedians. That's what I'm saying. Um, okay, so uh, that 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 wraps up this topic. Before I get myself into any more uh, into any more uh, <laughs> trouble, um, I wanna I wanna thank um, I wanna thank all our listeners both old listeners who've been here from the beginning and our brand new listeners from the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which I think in general is one of the most important uh, places for driving new traffic. So if you're here from iTunes, then uh, thank you so much. And uh, while you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. That would be super helpful um, for the algorithm. Um, that's uh, That's been our show. Oh, and also, of course, thanks to uh, my co-host, Leonard Chan, for... Um, coming back and doing another Asian movie with me. Um, next uh, next week, uh, please come back and join us when our all-gay panel, including Robert Watson, reviews Love, Simon. Um, I'm your host, Vong Show, and that's What's Up. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. So